I'm Chase. I'm Shannon. Um, attachment is weird. And I've always said that. All right. This is, and I've always said that. My name is Chase Hoffman. I'm Shannon Ferry. And we've always said that, kind of, sort of, <laughs> maybe. All right. This is our inaugural episode. It's really awesome. Shannon, where can the listeners find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Shan V Ferry, V like Victoria, because that's my middle name. Mm-hmm. And what about you? Um, similar format, different execution. <laughs> um, I, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Chase A. Hoffman, A as in Apple, because Alexander is my middle name. So that's, yeah. You should have just gone with Apple. You could be like Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter, but like earlier. Literally, or like um, Michael Jackson's <laughs> kid blanket. That's not the same thing. I'm just obsessed with the concept. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and we also have an Instagram for this podcast. It's yes. And I've always said that, but there's a bunch of underscores. I think you'll figure mm-hmm. it out. You can find it in both of our bios. Yes, maybe. also. Yeah. Okay. Attachment styles. Attachment styles. I think we're ready to dive into the subject at hand. I don't know. Do we want to do like a historical overview to begin with? Sure. Yeah. That? Do you want to kick it off? Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, attachment style. It's like a really... Attachment theory is what it's called overarching. It's like a a very hot button topic right now, I feel like with with very TikTok. Trendy. Yeah, yes. with TikTok and social media. But this really started back in like the 50s and 60s with this guy, John Bowlby. He's like a British psychoanalyst who was looking at the ways in which um interparental child relationships affected their relationships moving forward in life. Which makes sense. It does make sense. I thought it I just, it was a little contentious, his research. I didn't love the fact that he he initially seemed to peg everything on the mother. Mm, yeah. Which well, and, because at that time they had a majority of the parenting roles, but that doesn't mean yeah. they're the only factor in the Absolutely. situation, the development of it. Yeah. Mm. No, that's yeah, it was, very misogynistic. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was very misogynistic. It's just like a lot... It's really a lot to think about. It's a lot to pin on the mother, I felt like. And we're already getting into the opinion section of this rather than a <laughs> I feel like it's just going to go throughout, I but think, that's fine. Yeah, and it's, um, this was, his research was like built upon more by, I know her last name was Ainsworth and she was his um, collaborator initially and then she kind of took on this research later. Did something, I believe it was called... What was it called? I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. Oh my God. You're doing the best. You're the fastest I'm doing, readers in the business. I'm one of the fastest readers in my mind. Um, <laughs> in my own mind. That was me researching my, this. Oh, it's called a strange situation. It was a strange situation. It was, uh, quote, a laboratory paradigm for studying infant parent attachment. So basically what would Anytime happen... Anytime I hear that they're like mm-hmm. observing relationships in a laboratory, it just brings me back to the Stanford President Experiment. Oh, Even yeah. though like I know that's different, but like that's the only context I have for it. No, I exactly. Like. I got like really weird vibes from hearing that. Like I, I can't imagine these kids came out of this situation normal because like no. essentially what they did is they took um, one-year-old infants. They call them infants. I, I don't know if that's like a toddler. I don't fuck with kids, but no, like I don't know. that's a subject for another day. And, um, or maybe that's an attachment style. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> the, she took like parents and their one-year-old infants and then would separate them. Were both parents there or was it just the moms? It didn't say, I think it was just the moms okay. to create like more of a controlled environment. I think I read that in one of the in one of the articles and then they would separate them and react to 
and would measure the children's reaction once they saw their parents mm, okay. again. So there were three different types that they noted. And there, 60% of the children had what they deemed a secure attachment okay. style where they would run to their parent, they would seek solace in them and comfort. It's really all about gauging um, where is the parent? How do you find them? Do you feel safe around them? That was kind of the three paradigms. And so that was about 60% at a secure attachment. Um, 20% were extremely anxious upon departure and still extremely anxious upon reuniting with their parent. Okay. And then the other 20% were kind of ignoring the fact that the parent was gone and did not seem emotionally impacted at all upon reunification their return yeah upon reunification so that that was really interesting and it really bleeds into like that was really the main paradigm of what like later researchers it. yeah it was like Schraver and the last name that started with an H yeah, I sure. don't remember but yeah. <laughs> and uh their their work in like the 80s and 90s which is really like what we know of attachment theory today mm -hmm. and it was really interesting because it spawned like the three main attachment styles, which are secure, anxious, and avoidant, mm -hmm. which I'm sure people have seen on TikTok on your For You page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I, so I feel like I did much more of like a contemporary analysis. Mm -hmm. Like mine was just for the past like three years, like what's yeah, been yeah. published. And obviously they reference like older stuff, but I guess a lot of the articles I was reading weren't talking about the secure. So it felt mm. like it was more just like anxious and avoidant. And then secure those was are the like. the most interesting ones. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Because if you're secure, it's like, okay, cool. Good for you. But like the secure seemed almost like a different level that you had to like try to attain. Mm -hmm. But then I looked at one that had like the four sections. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, then I saw that. it as like a scatter plot kind of vibe. Same. Yeah. yeah. And then a, the it paradigm. makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Because like, so if you're anxious and avoidant, it's this mm -hmm. one. Um, we're also going to do a lot of links. We are going to do a have, lot of links. We have articles. We have a book, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> Very intellectual over here. Mm -hmm. But like, it kind of then looks like if you're anxious and avoidant, like you are just the yeah. most like detached and like, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Cause I definitely feel like I fall within that and I'm like, great. Oh, a hundred percent. This and is I, so much more to overcome. <laughs> I think, okay. So it was Hazan and Shaver that okay. I was thinking about. And yeah, I did see that, that paradigm. So it functions on like an X and Y axis. Mm -hmm. So on the X axis, all the way to the left, we have low anxiety and to the right, we have high anxiety. Yeah. And then, on the y-axis at the top it's low avoidance and at the bottom it's high okay. avoidance so then if you fall into the area of low avoidance low anxiety then you're characterized as a secure attachment style low avoidance high anxiety is preoccupied which is the term used for an anxious attachment okay. style Oh, and I never heard that. Cool. Yeah, it was interesting because I read in, in another article that they have different terms for attachment styles for children versus adults. Yeah, I did see that. And I think, yeah, so it's it's very, I think preoccupied is what they call it in children. I don't know. We'll fact check this later. <laughs> <laughs> but then, we are uh, not experts. By yeah. <laughs> we do not claim to be experts whatsoever. Um, what are our qualifications Mind your business. 
Um, don't worry about it. Literally, don't worry about it. It's not your job to worry about it. <laughs> and then we have, um, so we have like low anxiety, high avoidance is dismissing avoidant, which is just avoidant. Yeah. And then you have a high avoidance, high anxiety, which is fearful avoidant. Or I've seen it called, <laughs> it's literally the worst one. It's called um, disorganized as well. That feels I hurtful. That one. Was it, yeah. Especially, I took a quiz okay. last year and it said that I was fearful avoidant gorgeous which i saw in like a little bit i did like a little bit of research on it afterwards it's mm -hmm. it's the least secure attachment style and supposedly it's comes about when one parent or guardian is extremely caring and nurturing and mm -hmm. mature and you can turn to them but then the other one like never really met those needs okay and it was like interesting that tracks a little too much that that one kind of hurt that one that was that was a deep cut yeah interesting okay because i feel like mm -hmm. i don't know my parental relationship mm -hmm. was very complicated so mm -hmm. i always wonder like how that factors into it and i feel like it yeah. does play a role but i do also wonder like what if one of those parental re relationships mm -hmm. changes like how does that affect it mm -hmm. also because like what you said is probably something that resonates with a lot of people, right? Like oh, they had absolutely. one emotionally available parent, one that wasn't. Mm -hmm. But there's so many different variations to that also. Yeah. So it's like there's so many factors that I feel like sometimes mm. aren't in the baseline. Like one, what if right. one was physically unavailable? What if one was like mentally unavailable? Mm -hmm. Like, But there were times where they were that presence. And yeah. it's like, how does that change it also? I think that's very right. interesting. Well, I think that really feeds into the like this the whole conundrum with the social sciences in general, which is that the big overarching question of like how do you measure something quantitatively that's almost purely qualitative? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so like you you can't always measure something empirically that's experienced within or based mm -hmm. on your own personal perceptions because those might not always be accurate. They might not always function within the norm i don't know or like, like logically yeah like, logic logically a lot of emotion rationally. is very illogical <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly I so i think um just maybe for the viewers at home i don't know we have um, <laughs> viewers so, there's no video <laughs> the, the listeners at home for our radio show um yes our free radio so shaver and oh my god i keep forgetting this person's last name um hazan i think yeah they so back in the 80s, they published in like this Colorado newspaper um, three statements and whichever one you resonated with was supposed to tell you about your attachment, attachment style. style. So if I read off the statements, you want to like tell me which one you resonate with. Okay, yeah. And so right. these will just be for secure, anxious, and avoidant. There's yeah, no... Exactly. And they're pretty... It's pretty like cut and dry. Okay. So it's like really easy. So... Statement A is, I am somewhat uncomfortable being close to others. I find it difficult to trust them completely, difficult to allow myself to depend on them. I am nervous when anyone gets too close, and often others want me to be more intimate than I feel comfortable being. So statement B is, I find it relatively easy to get close to others and am comfortable depending on them and having them depend on me. I don't worry about getting being abandoned or about someone getting too close to me. Statement C 
is I find that others are reluctant to get as close as I would like. I often worry that my partner doesn't really love me or won't want to stay with me. I want to get very close to my partner, and this sometimes scares people away. So what I think is really interesting is that for me, like I have different attachment styles in different relationships because yeah. like with friends, mm. I'm I feel very secure and like yeah. that's something I'm very comfortable with. Mm. But like in relationships, I'm absolutely see. Like mm. I am very much the anxious. Like I want to be as close as possible. And okay. if there's any slight, I'm like, wow, you absolutely hate my guts. Like yeah. there's no in between. Well, that's yeah, that's absolutely a fantastic point that I'm so glad we, <laughs> we touched on because in a lot of the the readings and the videos that I, I watch and the the talks and stuff, it's it's so important to note that um, your attachment style changes depending on the relationship that you're in. So it's really mm -hmm. attachment theory developed as like your relationship with your parent determines how you interact with romantic relationships versus how you approach friendships versus how you approach your parents because with me, with my family and my parents, I'm very avoidant. Yeah. But then. No, that's how I am with, with my mom. Oh, yeah. But like my brother and I are very close. So I feel more secure in that one, which is mm -hmm. also just like another level of like. Yeah. Deciphering. That is really interesting. And I don't. Again, it's like I don't know if all this Freudian bullshit is like <laughs> really attributing to any of that coming about or manifesting mm -hmm. in in your personality. So. I and like, but with friends, that was that was something I always really struggled with in the past. My sister and I were both very avoidant mm -hmm. as kids. Like we, I never wanted to have friends over, like at all. The friends like never came over to my house. I or like anything. couldn't have friends over, so oh. that was something that like changed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like I ended up having a really good group of friends in college, and mm. then I like my behaviors changed a lot and they impacted like a lot of other relationships in my life. Yeah. But it also made me like my perspective on friends changed a lot, mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting because that's not something like I would have thought of. Yeah. So would you say with that, what maybe was college like the, the jumping point into becoming more secure? Yeah, I would say definitely. Okay. But that yeah. didn't reflect in my relationship still. Like I still was absolutely chaotic. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was absolutely <laughs> college is a chaotic time. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like like freshman year of college, which like I have yet to really meet a single person who had a good freshman year of college. And yeah. And Definitely. if they did, I'm like, you're heterosexual. So, uh, <laughs> and just uh, a fate worse than death. But, <laughs> and that's um, your own fault. And that's your own fault. And I've always said that. So I feel like we need a bell every time. Literally just Somebody like, says that. Yeah. Um, I definitely, because I had like, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of me like getting into mental health stuff was like, I mm -hmm. absolutely had a crisis during yeah. like my first semester sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a huge culmination of like a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. But then like since then, Obviously, I still do stuff that's dumb, but like it definitely mm -hmm. changed my perspective and like how I look at my own mental health and how that affects everything around me. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, well, I really got into attachment styles. That's great that you had like that, that preemptive strike almost and like <laughs> got in touch with that part of yourself and was able to build more of a secure foundation so early. So because like that is yeah. very early in your life to be like, like late teens early 20s is to start like building that foundation but that really like last year 
for me or like 2021. I was wondering because I was like with friendships, I always find it it's, it's very difficult for me. I, I get like this kind of go away, don't leave me okay. mentality with like, but it's all like contained up here where I'm like, I yeah. really want to get close to my friends. But then I also I'm like, I don't want them to see everything that's going on because then I'm like, I want to like push you away. And that really only yeah. like for some reason that really only began to dismantle itself when I moved here and I moved okay. alone and I didn't know anybody and kind of had to like, because the friends well, I lived with Well, you were kind of starting over. Yeah, exactly. So I had to like start from scratch. That's how I kind of felt in college I, though, because yeah. like I knew like three people in Michigan and yeah. like they weren't <laughs> close friends. They were just like acquaintances. Like, I feel so like there it was are only very like three people who live in Michigan. So. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but also the school is so big and yeah. like people come from all different places, but there's definitely populations mm -hmm. that like a lot of people from California go there. A mm -hmm. lot of people who obviously are from Michigan and then like New York and New Jersey. Yeah. But like I didn't go to public school. Like I went to really small private schools. So, like I didn't know a lot of people. And so even yeah. then it was like, oh, this is someone I went to school with for one year in mm -hmm. eighth grade, like my public school era. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But like that was it. So I was like, yeah. okay, let's start over. And like mm -hmm. grad school is the same. Like I knew no mm -hmm. one. So I don't know. I think once I had also like changed my perspective on how I sought mm -hmm. friends and like what I found important, that changed a lot too. Right. Yeah, that's so yeah, that really is so interesting. I think like, yeah, because there was there was a marked shift mm -hmm. in like my my friendships going from high school where it was like very anxious like very more relying on the anxious and the avoidant and then mm -hmm. like kind of throughout high or throughout college um the anxious part started to shed mm -hmm. a little bit more and then it was more of like the taking on an avoidant persona and then mm -hmm. later on and like what was, about LA in in LA it was it was tough because i really only knew like the four people who are in my immediate circle and mm -hmm. like I was 3,000 miles away from my family um, I'm from Connecticut in case you can't tell by the tone of my voice <laughs> and um, they yeah so I was really only close I lived with two of my best friends in the entire world and then we had like another friend who lived off in like Glendale and, mm -hmm. but I still like I knew them from college and we'd known each other we'd studied abroad together so we knew each other since like I was 20. Yeah. And, and there's something intimate about studying abroad together. Yeah, there really is. Because you do everything together all the time. Like you don't have a lot of other yeah. friends and like you have to rely on them. Which in that there was like a, a marked shift. That was when mm -hmm. that was when I first learned that I had obsessive compulsive disorder. And that was Oh, interesting. That was while you're abroad. Yeah, because yeah, it was uh I don't know, this might be a, a topic for another day. But, yeah, uh, we'll get there. But it's uh <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh a lot going on a, a five-month bender in another country will really teach you a few things oh, true. Yeah. about yourself. I cannot drink Sauvignon Blanc anymore after, no. or Riesling after that extreme. I can't, I can't do beef eater gin anymore. Yeah. And I feel like that, it'll, it'll do that to you. And if you know your liquors, then you'll know where we studied abroad. <laughs> Germany loves wine, okay? So, yeah, and uh, England loves trashing gin. my psychology. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't think we talked about it yet, but the first mm -hmm. season is 
like health and wellness. Health and That's wellness. where okay. we're going. Well, we're we didn't, yeah, we'll gonna put mix that in and somewhere. scramble it into yeah. <laughs> It's gonna be a weird swath of that, but um, that's mm-hmm. what we decided. So and, th- and and you're gonna have to get used to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I also thought. Okay. Back to attachment. Yeah. We're doing really well. Staying on topic. <laughs> <laughs> Very staying on topic. So I did also think another interesting thing was like mm-hmm. when because you were talking about how they mostly only discuss the moms, but I thought it was interesting that they also are trying to create something that they think like applies to all cultures, all people. Right. But then they weren't actually looking at a lot of the different cultures. Mm. And I thought that was super interesting because from what I understood, a lot of the original studies started in Uganda. Did I make that up? I think I saw that. Okay. And so then they decided like that these moms and kids, like that was mm. a template they were going to use for everyone across the world. Yeah. But then there was a lot of different implications of that depending mm-hmm. on just cultural differences. Like not right. every culture thinks of the family in the same way that Americans think of the nuclear family. Like mm. that's just not the same. And like multifamily households are more common in other countries and things like that. So that obviously changes the dynamic, Mm. especially if you have like multiple caretakers, because if they were only thinking about one interaction, the Mm. mom and the child, like there's so many other factors and manipulations that can change that. Oh, absolutely. I feel like there were so many different um, intersecting points of identity that they Mm -hmm. were just kind of blatantly ignoring, if not leaving out, without even thinking about it because it removes the element of like class where if you have two working parents like the kid might not get that much exposure to their parent they might be in daycare they might be um with a grandparent growing Mm -hmm. up mostly or with another caretaker it it removes the element of of race it removes religion um the big thing that stuck out to me was like sexual orientation obviously because it affects more of like my identity specifically and i was like i can i could tell you for a fact these scientists in the 50s and 60s were not looking at queer couples i know at all i found an article that talked about like the implications Mm -hmm. of polyamory Mm. or like um consensual non-monogamy i never know like everyone uses ethical non-monogamy and i don't agree with that labeling even though like sure it's ethical to a sense but like it's your definition of ethical which i think is so ambiguous anytime somebody throws ethical i just think of like farming what (laughs) like ethical like ethical produce or something yeah like ethical ethical produce they're like ethical non-monogamy and i'm like what is that gregor mendel like tell me (laughs) let me know okay for me (laughs) This is not helpful. It reminds me of this research project I did on mm-hmm. like sourcing metals for phones in college. Oh like that's God. the first thing I can think of, which is like not relevant. Anyway, but so it was discussing like how for a long time people who practice non-monogamy were thought of as having mm-hmm. like, I think it was avoidant. Was it avoidant mm. or anxious? I think it was avoidant because there was a certain level of like, they thought mm. that because you were non-monogamous, you didn't have a certain level of intimacy, which oh. I think is bullshit. That's completely Like bullshit. I am not a non-monogamous person, but like mm-hmm. I think understanding the basis of mm-hmm. non-monogamy is like being comfortable with sharing like your partner or like your lives together right and especially a lot of like when people live in the same home with multiple partners Mm -hmm. and things like that like how do you think that's not intimate 
Right. And that's that's a brings up another really good point, which is that your attachment style and the overarching attachment style of the relationship is highly dependent on the attachment style of your partner yeah. as well, which is huge. So I feel like polyamory and and ethical non-monogamy as a um as it stands is is kind of an interesting example of it, it really makes me wonder like that is a perfect case study for looking at the the mutability of attachment styles like if you're more of an avoidant person but then you have like one partner who's secure and then one partner who's avoidant and then you have one partner who's more anxious leaning and then maybe you have um a disorganized partner then that would that would be so interesting maybe and how would that impact the child like i have so many questions i I have so many questions i'm gonna have to i know a couple um polyamorous people i'm gonna have to ask some questions sit down and ask them because that's really interesting to think about but also there's people who are like in Mm-hmm. open relationships but like they don't consider that non-monogamy mm. which is so interesting like I don't yeah. know I just think there's so many facets of it right it also um, something I thought of too when I was looking at this is um, gender roles mm. and gender yes. roles in, in parenting like how does that play into because I'm sure like we were talking about in like the 50s and 60s when we were like they were attributing a lot of this to the mother because the mother mm-hmm. had like a lot of the domestic labor it just like piles onto the unpaid labor of women Mm -hmm. and just kind of placing that responsibility on them because that's what women did. And then I'm sure if you told a psychologist back in the 50s or 60s and was like, oh, one of my parents was caring and the other one was like kind of dismissive, avoidant, then they'd be like, yeah, no shit, because the dad's supposed to do that. Like, that's, they're like, dads don't have feelings. Like, that's insane. Why would you think that? Men can't cry. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And mm-hmm. then, oh, sorry, I just burped. I, I hope that doesn't <laughs> Did know. we pick up on that? Do we? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> but yeah, I also think it was, it was interesting because they kept saying, like, if you're this, you yeah. want this kind of partner. Mm. And like, I get that. Like, this is something you want to, like, look for red flags, Mm -hmm. green flags, whatever. But, like, you're also not going to be going on dates and asking people this stuff. Or, like, if you are, like, you don't know if they're telling you the truth. Like, people who are manipulative are going to be manipulative no matter how you approach it. But, like, so then you're relying on yourself. But if your perception is skewed, it's like, how am I Mm -hmm. supposed to figure this out? No, exactly. Like a lot of it when they talked about like the disorganized attachment, it mm-hmm. was like you perceive conflict when it doesn't exist. So then oh. you're constantly gaslighting yourself into like thinking that there's no conflict or there is. Wow. And like distinguishing that is so hard. Yeah. Because I am like Whoa. the queen of like making shit up in my head. No, that I, I love to overthink a situation. Oh, absolutely. I overthink like it's going on my W2. Like, and so <laughs> at this point, I've started being able to be like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Let me know if that's not yeah. like legitimate. But at the same time, if someone said like, mm-hmm. no, you're making that up, I could be like, okay, they're probably right. And like, yeah. then I don't know what's truly going on. It's wild. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Oh my God. I, yeah. I, I overthink the shit out of things. And I, yeah. Well, so, like, I grew up in a household where catastrophizing was, like, the norm. Mm. So, like, you can't not. Like, it races. Like, my mind just goes. Yeah. There's nothing to stop it. Well, that was also, did, so was that, like, a lot of things that you saw with your parents, like, catastrophizing and stuff like that, and then that kind of trickled down to you? 
Mm -hmm. Okay, so that that is really interesting because I did see in like the readings and stuff that the this stuff is is inherited, mm -hmm. and it can maybe be. I feel like there's so many factors, which again is like quantitative, qualitative. Like, yeah, is this? The there were so many that... charts in one of the articles, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I did not go to law school to do math. I don't know the that time. That is well known. I literally I am had a stress dream about doing math last night. I'm so serious. And it was like simple math. It was like basic <laughs> calculus, like doing a function or yeah. something. And I didn't have a graphing calculator in my dream. So I was, You're I was, fucked. I was fucked royally. So. <laughs> It was so bad, but um, anywho, <laughs> woke up sweating. Uh, you, could, you could tell we were not um, STEM students. <laughs> no girlies in STEM. And no girlies in STEM. Um, all respect, all love but to shout the girlies out to who all the women are. <laughs> Tis not I. Um, yeah, because I. It's like there's so many different factors that when mm -hmm. you think about it, like is it is this something you inherit? Because like like on my mom's side specifically, like everybody's so anxious like mm -hmm. everybody is anxious which like at the end of the day from from what i was able to determine from looking at it anxious and avoidant they both stem from anxiety yeah it's just how you react to it that's different so i feel like it's very much like nature nurture mm -hmm. where like you might inherit more anxiety from your mom so to speak and then how you react to that anxiety is just built on so many factors. It's built on like your socializations. It's built on um, your own environment growing up, which is essentially the same thing as socialization. But anyway. No, but some of it's and, different. Yeah. And it's also built on like gender norms, like we were saying, and like ideas of race and class and religion and, and all of that different stuff. So it's really, it's all very interesting. It's like, how do we measure this stuff? Yeah. And okay, this is going to sound wild, but there mm. was also a section on pets. Oh, I yes. was wondering. Yeah. I, I and know. I thought that was very interesting. Shannon has a dog, in case you don't know. Yeah, I have a dog. <laughs> I'm very obsessed with her. She's definitely anxiously attached. Yeah. <laughs> she will just like scream, cry in your face if she thinks you're leaving oh without God. her. Like yesterday, I brought her to a party. Mm -hmm. She's a big party dog. Mm -hmm. And she saw me packing up and just started yelling at me because she thought she wasn't coming with me. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, or like when I go to the bathroom, she'll just like stand at the door. Like it's just, oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah, she stands outside my door and like will just yell mm -hmm. until I open it. Yeah. Or like my roommates, if she wants to say hi in the morning, she'll stand outside their door until they open it if she knows oh they're awake. God. Yeah, she's a psycho. Is and she... it's my fault. Oh. <laughs> it's the mother's fault. It's, it's always as John Bowlby. It's always well, the mother's fault. we're a single fault. family household. So. That's, this is true. This is true. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, that's, that's so interesting. And I was, I was hoping that you would have some insight and that's definitely really, really good. Cause I did notice that at the party yesterday. I wonder if that's like, yeah, we're at the same party in case you don't know. Um, we have a lot we're of friends, friends. and, uh, <laughs> um, you wish you were us anyway. Um, <laughs> there. Yeah. Your relationship with your pet as a secure mm -hmm. model, but like mine's not a secure mm -hmm. model cause my dog's a psychopath. No. And I would say like, um. <laughs> Well, not to be. <laughs> I really she's just actually like, really good. Grace. I'm just nervous. She's, actually, she's a really good dog. <laughs> um, I I grew up with cats mostly because my sister was like terrified yeah. of dogs. So there's um, growing up with a, like this one cat that we had mittens who we still have her. I love her to death. She's killer name. A bitch to everybody <laughs> except me, and I love her for that. And 
Sounds it very secure. It was really so interesting though because it's very secure. It was very. <laughs> um, she used to sleep at my feet all the time, and that I learned later on is because she views me as her kitten. Which I was like, that's cute. that's really cute. Like I'm actually You're like a little that's baby. Kinda, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm baby. I, <laughs> but um, yeah. So it was we had like a crazy secure ha- like attachment style growing yeah. up. It was like I'd come home and I'd be like, hey bestie, and she'd be like, oh hey bitch, like yeah. sit, sit down, tell me about your day. Um, she like diva queen icon. It was so interesting because when I got to college and I moved away then she started to become more anxious. Mm. And like now when I don't, since I don't live with my parents anymore, obviously, because they're in Northeastern Connecticut. (laughs) But um, whenever I go back, I noticed that she would like, she would start meowing like crazy Mm -hmm. and she would start following me around and she wouldn't leave my side no matter what. Like when I would sit down at the, on the couch, um, and I just burped. That's that's a great. This is a burping We're those podcast. Out. Um, <laughs> it's like and ASMR. She would she would like run over and sit down on the couch next to me, but she would sit like right here, like okay. right next to me, and like would not move. And but I feel like that's so interesting with the leaving part. Mm-hmm. She's so smart. She knows when I'm leaving. It's because I obviously all my shit's packed up <laughs> and I'm at the door. She will vanish. Like she will make herself so scarce. Because she doesn't want to say And just like ignore me. Yeah. And then when I come back, she'll just ignore me and she'll be like, oh, it's you. And just kind of walk away. Wow. Which I feel, I don't know if that's inherent in cats mostly because mm-hmm. they're known for being more avoidant. Yeah. Whereas like dogs, now I live with a dog. And he's struggling with like separation anxiety yeah. from what we're noticing. So like, but like you also live with a meatball, truly. I live with a, a <laughs> genuine little. He's the cutest little fucker on the planet. Love you, Jasper. And he's <laughs> love Jasper. He's great. I love that little man. And but yeah, no, he does bark when people come and he, go. He barks when people come and go, and he's mm-hmm. like, we've been really struggling with this. Of like, me and my other roommate are new to the apartment, and there there's four of us total, but like, it's the two of us who are new, and he's just like barking like fucking crazy every time we leave, and it's literally like a switch flips, mm-hmm. and he'll just go ballistic. And try so I think a combination, it's like a combination of separation anxiety and, um, and being like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, why are you in my house? Yeah. And yeah, but it's so interesting. I'd love to know if like dogs are more prone to being anxious than cats. I don't know if there's anything in the book about that. Um, in all honesty, I didn't finish the book yet. We'll it's get okay. there eventually. I didn't even read the books. <laughs> <laughs> I read a bunch of articles online. I, I watched some videos on School of Life on YouTube. <laughs> I thought the interesting part was that it like, I don't know. It talks about how mm. we shouldn't like, oh, there we go. It came back in my brain. Mm. We shouldn't like hold grudges mm. at like pets because like, I definitely have gotten annoyed and like I know I shouldn't but like last week it was raining I know because like it still affects you but like last Mm -hmm. week it was raining for like fucking five days straight in New York Mm -hmm. like it was awful and I just been getting out of having strep so like I was Mm -hmm. feeling better but I couldn't go anywhere because it was downpouring and 
I just wanted to go get food because I was yeah. like finally eating solids again. And I was taking Grace with me, but like I was mm-hmm. also holding an umbrella and like she just kept like pulling at the most unfortunate times. Like then I had a hot tea that I was spilling on myself. Oh, and like no. I know she's not doing it on purpose, but like yeah. I was still so frustrated. But then it like stopped raining for a little bit and we went to the park and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, we're fine. Like I need to, she doesn't know what she was doing. Right. She's just being a dog. Exactly. And that's like, and my roommate was saying that like having a dog is like having a perpetual toddler. Yeah. And like they really like I, I I'm I'm starting to feel for parents. It's like because <laughs> sometimes I'll be having like the worst day, and then I I come home, and then this dog is just like barking like crazy. Yeah. And I've I'm like I really I know I can't get mad at you because this is just like you being you and like going through your thing and you're not yeah. going to understand if I get mad, but like it's, I'm like, it's, it's annoying and it's hard not to be annoyed, but yeah, that's how I feel some days I when I get home from work. Like yeah. I'll have been out. I just like, am very sweaty from walking back from the train. Like mm-hmm. I want to just change and go to the bathroom and like mm. then take Grace out. But she's but so Grace is excited. Like, love me, love me, love and me, love me. Yeah, exactly. She's yeah. like, I want all your attention right now. And I'm going to yell the whole time you put sweatpants on. And I'm like, what? <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> we'll murder you, but also like love your could, face so much. If it I hurts. could throttle you and leave you for dead and like not at the ASPCA on me. I would never do that. I normally just take her out to pee first yeah. and then I get changed. <laughs> I think in that speaks to the way that we approach situations. Yeah, you're like, I'm literally leaving. Is you everybody's a, like at a fire station? Or literally something. gonna 5150 me. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Attachment styles relate to dogs also. Wild. Oh, yeah. It's it's so interesting. And I saw that there was like, um, this is just like, I don't, I don't know if it's it's on topic or not, but there was like a longitudinal study done. I also saw this, a bunch of differences between like longitudinal mm-hmm. studies and mm-hmm. like cross, uh, they're like cross-sectional studies or something mm-hmm. like that. <sighs> anyway, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, so, yeah, yeah. And there was like, but the longitudinal studies are the ones that are really they're interesting to me because mm-hmm. like it's it's like how how has this changed over time mm-hmm. really and because I'm like you're measuring this when they're a one year old and mm-hmm. so how are you gonna see this in the future? So there was one longitudinal study that's like documented about attachment styles specifically, and from what I read, seventy percent of the um, participants in the study had a marked change in their attachment style from infancy to adulthood because it was like 20 years. So it was their 21 year olds. And yeah, so. But I do also Mm -hmm. wonder like how it changes through adulthood. Mm. Um, And I saw a few that were like talking about how divorce affects it, which I think is really interesting because if you think about it, like, in our society, Mm -hmm. in the construct of it, like marriage is seen as the pinnacle of like secure attachment, right? Like Mm -hmm. you've agreed to be with this person for as long as physically possible. Mm -hmm. And so assuming you're secure, you're feeling very comfortable in that and like you're sure of your relationship. Mm -hmm. But if something shatters that, that obviously is going to affect the way you attach in the future. Mm. You know what I mean? No, 100%. And they used, (laughs) this is some like, academic bullshit the <laughs> phrase they used was like lawful discon- discontinuity 
Multiple so like continuity. Okay. you can assume that your attachment style hasn't changed, mm-hmm. but there's always going to be alterations to it. So you mm. can't think of it as static. Okay. Because a lot of people are like, oh, but once I'm secure, I'm always going to be secure. Right. And like, if you think about it, that's not really the case because the mm-hmm. way you approach relationships is going to change based on the relationships that you have. That is huge. That is, yeah, absolutely. I feel like a lot of the time, and uh, uh, this is what drives me crazy about like, you know, with like <laughs> on the, and, and social media specifically and everything, like Satree and our, maybe our, it's our, just our culture in general, which we'll touch on in this season, like, <laughs> is like we tend to have like this pinnacle of wellness, which is like mm-hmm. you're that girl, you're like Miss Miss Queen, you're on top of the universe. You're, yeah, like, you're like thriving socially, doing, work-wise, exactly. in your relationships, like which that's health th- th- generally. That's, yeah, and that's just not realistic. Like mm-hmm. that's not, it's not something that's possible. And I, I love that you brought that up because – even if you are secure and you're secure for a really long time, maybe you have like a really toxic friendship or maybe you have like a really toxic work relationship or you, maybe your parents get divorced later in life and then it just like a schism is created and Mm -hmm. then you just verge off into less of a secure attachment style and you really have to work your way back. So it's with like everything that we have in in life, once you have something, you really have to work to hang on to it. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, you said something that was really good and I just lost it. In my oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think everything I said was actually really nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so oh. I do have a list of mm-hmm. some common deactivating strategies. Oh, I love that. And so they're like times when people are avoidant and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I think we should maybe talk about some of them because yes. they're very fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so one of them is saying I'm not ready to commit or thinking it. Because it's maybe it's not that you're not ready for a relationship, but Mm -hmm. you're like mentally you can't wrap your mind around it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay, this is one that I feel like I am very guilty of. Focusing on small imperfections in your partner. Oh my God, that one is huge. That's huge. One time said someone said they didn't like goat cheese and I was like, I can never cook for you. That's a, <laughs> That's a red flag. That's a red flag. We're still friends. She's That's great. That's a red but. flag. <laughs> um, pining after an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend, like the Phantom X. Oh, absolutely not. But that's like really? a big, that's a I big have thing. One. That's it's a big one thing from college, in, um, oh, very specifically. Really? Yeah, but that that I feel like is is such a marked cultural difference between like gay men and gay women is like. When gay men break Well, mine's up. a guy, too. So that's back when we were only straight. Yeah. We tend to, like, I don't gay men, we, like, <laughs> once the bridges burn, like, the bridges burn. We've talked about this, though, because yeah. I stay friends with people, and that's something you are not you about. I am not about it. I, I am absolutely not about it. I fully unfollowed my ex-boyfriend. I have never... Someone he, recently said that they've never like, hooked up with a friend, him. and I was like... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Someone who's First very all, that's guilty embarrassing of that. for them. I know. How has it not happened? That's, yeah, in this day and age. I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, flirting with others, like to purposely make the other person insecure or jealous. That's so toxic. So toxic. What the hell? I actually normally don't do that um, for one of these. <laughs> that's so CW of them. Yeah. Okay. Not saying I love you. Oh, that I get, that I get really weird with. Okay. But you know, I had this like really weird thing when I was dating a guy in college who I mm-hmm. like I like to skirt around it. Okay. And I would I like to gauge his reaction when I would be like, I love 
the way you're wearing that shirt. <gasps> like, you're so annoying. I'm annoying. I would hate you. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, that's very confusing. Which a lot of this is like creating confusion. Yeah, like, that's the whole point. It would. Uh, it was toxic. I've worked through yeah. a lot of shit since. We've then. both been toxic. We've talked about that. Yeah. Uh, pulling away when things are going well. Ooh, oh, that one hurt. That yeah, one hurt. Because you're like, this can't be true. Yeah. Checking out mentally. I do this. I get, I mm. dissociate so easy. Like mm -hmm. when there's a hard conversation that has happened or it needs to happen, mm. I will like talk about anything else. Oh, under that's the sun. so interesting. And I'm so good at talking about bullshit. Mm. So like, it's very easy. I'm really, I'm really good at, um, at shoving my head in the sand. Mm. Is so like, like making it worse. Making it worse by ignoring it. Okay. And I think that's just because my that's mom's side is Protestant. Yeah. And like, that's. <laughs> very well just kind of, of what you. we do yeah <laughs> but that's got to be conflicting mm -hmm. because like yeah. i feel like you very heavily relate to your like mm. jewish oh absolutely which is all about like communication like, yeah, exactly. and like letting your feeling but that's always when i'm like my stomach hurts and i want to leave yeah and, and you like overshare in some parts and then you're like oh, i will yeah. never talk about my feelings no literally and that's that is a conflicting part about coming from like a mixed identity background yeah. is yeah and that's what that's for another day. That's I so think. funny. As an Irish Catholic, I have no feelings. Or yeah. Thoughts, so. <laughs> um. Okay. We're almost done. One mm -hmm. more or two more. Keeping secrets or leaving things foggy. I do that. Oh, keeping so, secret. I. F I'm a pretty open book. Okay, so I don't I talk like... about my family shit. Mm. I just pretend it doesn't happen. Oh, I do. And that's the most Jewish part about yeah, me. Is like yeah. that's my whole comedy is like talking about my family. Well, no, I overshare in some aspects, but oh, other yeah. things. Like I talk about stuff that's happened, but I don't talk mm. about what's happening. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Keeping keeping secrets, so I feel like in that context, they're maybe talking about like Oh, like cheating. Or yeah. Like, or like, oh, I I got this person's number. This person gave me their number while mm -hmm. we were like out at a bar. And then I did while you were in the bathroom and I just like didn't tell you about it. And like, yeah. that's the kind of secret that I think of when I hear something like that. That's okay, never happened that to me. Though. Oh, okay. okay. But that's really interesting. I had an ex-boyfriend who was mm. already keeping secrets from me and had oh. previously. So was this kind of retaliation? Kind of, but then I ended up breaking up with him and then we got back together and then broke up again. Oh. Don't go off your meds, kids. I love that. It wasn't me. It was <laughs> okay, last one. Avoiding mm. physical closeness. Oh, I mm, see. That's a tough thing is I physical touch is my top love language. Really? Is okay. all, I'm a fucking barnacle when, when I'm in a relationship with somebody. Mm. If somebody's like flirt i'll like hug my friends and stuff but like yeah if i'm flirting or anything i'm not going to be that person who's like touching your arm no, or like yeah. holding your i'm like whoa, 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 whoa like don't do that yeah i think like mm -hmm. once i get further on or if yeah. i'm like really fucked up mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it just depends right right right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then also like one of the examples was like walking mm -hmm. a few strides away so i haven't done this oh. but Sometimes my mom does this to my brother and I. She Whoa. like won't walk with us. And it's so weird. It's so annoying. You know what? My dad does that. 
Really? I'd never thought of that. One of my friends and he said was she like, did I just walk fast. And I'm like, I know. No, she'll be fuck? like, I can't keep up. And we're like, but yeah. you're walking the exact same amount away from us the whole time. My dad will walk ahead of us. Yeah. Okay, though, no, and that's the thing. Which I feel like is like the, like has to be dominant, like has to be in yeah. the front of the situation. One of my friends said she did it with her ex mm. though. And then like mm. realized after, cause she kept being like, I'm not upset. But then like obviously was. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I'd, Yeah. Yeah. And that, oh my God, I had this one friend who used to, when I was abroad in London, she used to do that. Yeah. And she used to, like, we would all be talking and then she would just like walk really far ahead. And That's we were like, strange. and we were like, what the hell is her problem? Like why, we would literally, we would be like, why is she doing that? Like that's, and then we'd like call after her and she'd be like, oh, I'm just gay. Like this is a, like we walk fat. And I'm like, yeah, but the rest of us are, are gay too. And we're all walking together. <laughs> So like, what is it? We're we're keeping up with our token straight friend. Like that's what we're doing. Remember when I texted you yesterday because I thought you were. You biking. literally <laughs> thought I was on a bike when really I was just hauling ass from fucking like, Wyckoff no, Avenue. Walk away too with a, with a like, box of white you claws. On find my friends. Dude, <laughs> I literally Obviously. I had a box of white claws and a and a and a coke and a glass bottle, and I was sweating my balls off I, I should have told you to go to the bodega by my apartment no it's okay I, I had my spots her. I knew yeah you knew your spot I know my spots and I think <laughs> we have about like 10 minutes left so I think do we want to maybe talk about some ways that you can like combat having a deviated I hate to revert I don't deviated. know like I hate that deviated like septum or like <laughs> we all know my nose is fucked up all right it's okay mine is too it's uh the Irish and the Jews see each other that way. One of my friends is convinced. She thought I had sleep apnea for a while. Oh, my God. And then <laughs> and then I didn't. I did two sleep mm -hmm. studies, and they said no. So I think I just have a deviated mm -hmm. septum. If you look up my nose, you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, well... As well, I think we should probably do sleep health as another episode. That would be really cool. But I'm down with that. I can talk about having a sleep. We're sleep literally, out. yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. It's a for that. It's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> but uh, but I was I was listening to a video and uh, well, listening, watching, watching, and dash listening to it because I was walking and. Um, You're walking and watching a video. I would, yeah, kind of like you. Nobody can see it at home, but like having my <laughs> phone up and kind of like watching it as I'm walking to the subway. But um, I can't do that. It's I would run into shit. I almost do, but <laughs> um, I found out that anxious, an anxious person and an avoidant person are have a higher likelihood of being in a relationship romantically than like. Because the anxious a per person, well, the anxious person, a person has to be, um, is like more often than not deeply attracted to how distant the avoidant person is. Yeah, it's the mystery and the emotional. Honor exactly. Yeah. And I think the avoidant person probably likes having, being pursued. I yeah. like being pursued. Yeah. Is the thing. It, it feels like power. <laughs> But uh, and this is really just unraveling how toxic I am in relationships. <laughs> but um, that and they're they're like more likely to do that and like get to an anxious person and avoidant person. So like the way to combat that is like open, honest, healthy communication mm -hmm. is just being aware of your partner's pain points, 
maybe like where if you're dealing with an, an avoidant person, um, venturing to have a conversation, but not not probing, not pushing, not like jumping the gun, getting in their heart. So you kind of have to walk around it to approach it. Okay. You know, and then like with the anxious person, it's a lot of soothing methods and like needing to um, assisting in in helping them develop more self-soothing practices. That makes sense though, because part of it's like yeah. not being able to emotionally regulate it. Right. And I think I don't know. To me, like the the anxious one was so interesting. I think because it's so far removed from anything that I experience. Okay, is like, or have experienced for a while at least. Because it's like, I know people who have like strictly anxious attachment styles, and they're they're typically labeled as like needy or like high maintenance. But then I find it so interesting because like, if you're avoidant then you're you're cool, you're like laid back, you're mm-hmm. you're more low maintenance. But don't you think that also kind of feeds into gender stereotypes because I was just a gonna lot say more yeah, yeah, yeah. of the time you would mm-hmm. think of like the male as being avoidant. Right. And the female being mm-hmm. more anxious. But then yeah. I think that's another thing where like how mm-hmm. do queer relationships affect that? Exactly. Well because like yeah. does that depend on the gender role you take on like do we think that people who present yes. more like yeah butch or something like that are like mm-hmm. more avoidant but then like the femme person always has to be anxious or like yeah presentation doesn't mm-hmm. always affect how you act in relationships like you could be a power femme that like absolutely right. has all the control in the relationship and be super avoidant like mm-hmm. how does that no that's ex- that's exactly it and i'm yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. Do you think it's bottoms like, always have to be anxious? So it's like, yeah. It's, how does that like? It's just kind of like, yeah, I, I'm verse. Shout out. Um, <laughs> you know my Instagram now. but um, We were talking about the gender relationships and orgies yesterday. Yeah, no, we were. There we was had not like, enough verse representation in the example. And we I was scared. And I was scared. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because it's, it's such an interesting topic that's like not explored enough but it's Mm -hmm. totally like and I was thinking about it in in the terms of like women specifically or femme identifying people Mm -hmm. like if you're anxious and you're like really punched down on in society like I think of that movie like um how to lose a guy in 10 days where like Catherine Hans character is um she's like classic anxious like she's she's always like ask it like pulling pulling doing all this all this shit and then like i think it's kate upton that's like the star of that movie right or like um kate hudson kate hudson kate upton's like the um the model yes yeah or no sports illustrated something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and she's like if you're avoidant you're like the cool girl Mm -hmm. like you're low maintenance you're like oh she's she's cool girl who drinks beer exactly and like parties (laughs) with boys (laughs) and like yeah isn't friends with girls because they're less drama so it's really like that demonization of femininity yeah and like oh women are women are like um, over emotional and like Mm -hmm. people who are more feminine which like in in gay male world is like tends to more often be like the femme identifying person in the relationship is like oh they're like they're being messy. overdramatic. They're, they're yeah. yeah, they're a messy bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I also wonder, like there's mm-hmm. always relationships where 
both identify as like mask or right. femme, and then how does that well that's always it? yeah and um there's like a, a strict thing in in gay world that's like um two tops can be in a relationship mm-hmm. two verse people obviously a top and a verse um a bottom and a verse can be in a mm-hmm. relationship two bottoms can never be in a relationship and that's like a a hard and fast rule that's really like stuck pretty much throughout history. Do you know anyone who's in like a two bottom couple? Like is I that don't, really I can't think of a single one. That's so interesting. It's very I've thought I've I've known two tops that are in relationships and they they just kind of suck it up and one of them bottoms and then they kind of switch. So it like forces them into a verse situation. It's weird. Mm-hmm. But and that's just I feel like I we're gonna talk more about this stuff later. Definitely. Because <laughs> yeah. we're really getting into it. But yeah. um this is I mean we we only have a few minutes left. Do we have any like yeah. parting thoughts or anything? Um attachment style is mm-hmm. all just kind mm-hmm. of bullshit, but it does resonate in a lot of senses. And I think yes. it's a good excuse to like look into how you view relationships, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't necessarily like help you become more secure or something like that. Um mm-hmm. it's always good to see what makes you feel something. No, exactly. <laughs> and I think um to, to really add to that, um, what was helpful for me, I know people are always like, oh, with armchair psychology, it's like you're labeling yourself and everything. Mm-hmm. Lab- if you label something, it means it's real, which I think is like, and it's it's real and it means that other people experience it and you're not mm-hmm. alone. So like for me, identifying that I had like a less than healthy attachment style, especially with friendships and stuff is is was really important in identifying, naming the issue, mm-hmm. and forming a plan of how I was going to change that. And being like, okay, these are kind of my pain points in the relationship. Like, how am I going to tackle these, get around them? Is there a way to get around them? Um, maybe build some boundaries, maybe build some like healthy communication, maybe let people in a little bit more. Yeah, It's just, it's all about how... Really, the lesson I'd say is like is take a quiz, and like, <laughs> meanwhile we're like Buzzfeed figure, quizzes, girly. Buzzfeed quizzes. <laughs> Which ramen noodle that you pick? That's not what will we make mean. you an anxious, avoidant person. I think, like, from my experience, improving my attachment style mm-hmm. in my friendships definitely helped me yeah. feel more comfortable in relationships, but it also made me have a group that I can like bounce all my feelings off of. Like mm. I'll just call one of my friends and be like, look, this is what's going on from my perspective. Like mm-hmm. are my thoughts valid? Am I absolutely taking this out of context? And like, right. it's just nice to have someone to check in with if you like don't trust your own brain sometimes. No, literally. that's. And I've always said that. And I've always said that. <laughs> and I think with that, with our saying, and I've always said that, Almost at the same time. Um, I think, I think that, we're going to go. I think that's it. But thank you so much. Um, stay tuned for our next episode. And we this, love you. This season. We love you. We can say that to you at least. Maybe.